Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That is where all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content is posted out from. Obviously, it is on our website at SportsEthos.com as well. But if you are someone who likes to use Twitter more often than just searching the web, Go follow Ethos Fantasy BB. You'll never miss any of our new podcasts, articles, different Twitter notes. All of it will be there at Ethos Fantasy BB. Now, today we are going to be looking specifically at the Boston Red Sox because I know I thought about this, what exactly to do for today's show, if I should just go over everything in general or if I should, you know, pick and choose, whatever. We're going to go over the Boston Red Sox because they've had quite the roller coaster 24 hours. And I think that's what we're going to title the show, something along those lines. Not sure yet, but something to do with the roller coaster ride that the Boston Red Sox have been on over the last 24, I guess, a little more than that now, 36 or so hours given the couple of moves that they've made and the player who left the team yesterday. If you are a Boston Red Sox fan, I hope you'll listen, but I know this one will be a little bit tough uh, to swallow. Xander Bogarts is a member of the San Diego Padres. We are going to talk about that one here first. I was kind of expecting it a little bit. We've talked about it on the show over the last week or so. Once or twice we've mentioned it. Uh, there were some rumors that Xander was going to go to San Diego, and he went to San Diego. Apparently, the Red Sox offer was the fourth or fifth best. They were, I saw the figures this morning. It was like, I don't even know if they got to the $200 million mark with him. Uh, it was kind of an insulting offer for him, and he left. He went to San Diego, 11 years, $280 million. <clears throat> Another long deal given to a shortstop who's already 30, or I'm not sure if Trey Turner's actually thir turned 30 years old yet, but he's going to be 30 years old this year. Xander is 30. He'll be 31 uh, next. Uh, actually, he just turned 30 really a couple months ago. So he's going to be 30 for most of next season. But by the time this contract is reaching those last couple of years, he's going to be into his later 30s, and it'll go until he's 41 years old. I think that this is a good move for San Diego, but it's contingent on a couple of things. So Manny Machado has an opt-out. Maybe he uses that opt-out. I believe it's after next year. Uh, I, I believe it's after next year Manny Machado can opt-out and go sign a bigger deal elsewhere if he wants to or whatever. Maybe this is partially an insurance policy for that. Now, there's also the fact that Xander Bogarts is like the fourth best shortstop on this team. So maybe he is a, a contingency kind of backup plan 
to play third base should Manny Machado end up leaving the team. Because Xander Bogarts, I'm just going to pull up the defensive metrics here. Uh, but everybody talks about how terrible defensively he is. I didn't really realize he was that bad. Uh, let's take a look here. Where is his fielding stat? Sometimes fan graphs can be a little overwhelming with the amount of things that they have here. I believe it's closer to the bottom. Here we go. Advanced fielding. He's not terrible. Like, okay, over the years, there's been some years that are better and some years that are worse. But like this past season, five defensive runs saved, five outs above average for the career. Obviously, those numbers are not great. But, you know, he's coming off of a decent season in that regard. Maybe he is not a long-term shortstop for them. Maybe it's Fernando Tatis and they are planning on moving him to third or second. I'm not really sure exactly. Uh, but yes, historically, not a great defender, but this year actually was the best defensive season of his career uh, based on the advanced metrics. So read into that what you will. Perhaps he does play shortstop. I think that he probably will. Tatis slots into the outfield. Uh, it's still a question because we don't, we don't really know what they're going to do. And it's also a good problem to have this team because they are completely stacked. Where it becomes a little bit tricky is when you talk about the money side of it. Are they going to spend... Are they going to keep spending? Is Juan Soto going to be brought back? That is my main question here. Because uh, Juan Soto has a couple of years left on his on his deal, and then he's a free agent. Will they spend another $300, $400 million, probably closer to 400 or more, on Juan Soto when they've already got 300 tied up in Machado, about 300 in Bogarts, and, you know, that's it's, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Tatis, $340 million, I believe. It's... It's a lot of owners are not going to want to have even this many contracts on the payroll. But when you add in a fourth lucrative deal like that, uh, there's a chance that Soto leaves or Machado leaves. I don't know how long they're going to be able to keep this core intact for because that is something that does affect. I know all these owners are billionaires, but at the end of the day, uh, you're going to have four contracts where you have more than a billion dollars tied up in them. I don't think that that's going to be the plan in San Diego. I think that they're going to try and do everything they can to win over these next couple of seasons and try and maximize the value that they have right now. They're pretty well set up in the starting rotation. They're pretty well set up in their bullpen. Maybe they'll add another piece or two in the bullpen, but they got Josh Hader as their closer. That is fantastic. They got Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Martinez, and Adrian Morjan right now scheduled uh, in the rotation in the five slot. I don't know if Morjan's going to be in the rotation. I might even be pronouncing that wrong. Uh, maybe they bring in somebody else to fill that slot, but they are looking very pretty right now. Uh, that is the San Diego side. And I say they are looking pretty right now, but there is a chance that, you know, they, they have to win in the next couple of years, essentially, is what I'm saying. Uh, if they don't in the next couple of years, Machado might leave. Soto, maybe Machado and Soto leave. It's, it's, they, they need to win right now, pretty much. So if that were them, just keep spending money. Uh, you know, bring in maybe another pitcher, another starter, another reliever, perhaps. Uh, and keep building up this team because there's a chance in two or three years it's going to look very, very different. Now, the Boston Red Sox, the day didn't start with Xander Bogarts. And actually, you know, going back on the Red Sox analysis, a couple days ago, it was looking pretty good. They signed Kenley Jansen, and the deal was for two years, I believe. Two years, $32 million on the Kenley Jansen deal. Seems pretty reasonable. And they needed a closer. They have been, <laughs> it's been very tricky, specifically last year, to roster any closer for Boston because you just didn't know who was going to get the role on any given day. There were times when it was going to be Schreiber, Barnes, there was Houck, uh, Garrett Whitlock got a couple, I believe. It was it was a shit show trying to pick up Red Sox relievers anticipating who's going to get saves. Now they got Kenley Jansen, and he should be the guy getting pretty much all the saves. Maybe he won't get 100% of the saves, but he should be 
pretty right up there. Uh, you know, he had 40 saves this season, one of only two closers who had 40 saves this year. Now, those aren't going to necessarily be the stickiest thing year in and year out, uh, but he's been pretty consistently giving you between low 30s and mid 40s for his career, a couple of seasons in the 20s in his early years in Los Angeles. The funny thing about Kenley Jansen, actually, is a side note. I believe he converted from an infielder. I think he was a shortstop or something when he first came up, and now he's turned into, you know, arguably one of the better closers of all time. He's closing in on 400 saves. He's almost guaranteed to get it this year, assuming he's healthy. Um, he makes for a very interesting play now in drafts. And his price, 79.63. Likely going to go up a little bit now that we know for sure he's not going to be going back to Atlanta. There's not going to be any competition with Iglesias. He should be someone who moves off draft boards, and he should be someone you're, you're fairly comfortable taking. Now, I think that the other relievers in Boston are probably at this point not really going to be worth your time. And in most most parts, uh, most of the time in drafts, they're not really going until very late in DCs. But I don't think that you can really take a chance on them outside of, of a very, very late draft pick. Um, you know, Tanner Houck, 359. I don't know that I feel great about taking him at that spot. He's going to be probably like a middle reliever. Maybe he gets a couple saves. It's It feels a little bit rich to pay. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, even 297. Maybe he's in the rotation. Maybe he's somebody who comes out of the pen for them. Uh, it's hard to say what the Red Sox are going to do uh, with their starters, with their bullpen. Kenley Jansen is going to be the guy who is the preferred save, save getter as long as he's healthy. Uh, he will be the closer. And honestly, I, I'm going to just bank on him getting most of them and not wor really worry about drafting any of these other guys. It would have to get very deep into a draft champions for me to even think about taking any of these guys. If you are talking about what I tend to focus on more during the regular season, your 10, your 12 team, perhaps even just your 15 team standard size league, you're not talking five outfielders, you're talking like standard Yahoo, uh, even ESPN rosters. I don't think you need to draft any relief pitcher from Boston outside of Kenley Jansen. He's the only one that's really going to do it for me. Uh, you know, Matt Barnes, some people might take Matt Barnes. Uh, Chris Martin signed there the other day. Maybe he's somebody that some people will want to take a chance on. I, if Kenley goes down, then maybe we'll have some clarity. But th at the same time, if Kenley goes down, we might just have the same shit show we've had in years prior of not knowing who is going to get the role day in and day out. So he's the only one that I really feel comfortable taking there. If you took early shares of Schreiber, <clears throat> or how you're probably not too happy, but you didn't have to spend too, too much to get them. I, I would say at this point, just don't worry about them unless you're very, very deep in the drafts. Now, the other move that they made, <clears throat> and I'm going to probably butcher his name here, Masataka Yoshida. I believe that is how his name is pronounced. They locked him up. And when I saw that they signed him, because this was earlier in the day yesterday, I assumed that, okay, they're not going to be adding on pieces like this, paying a good sum of money to a player, five years, $90 million for a guy if you're going to let Bogarts leave and then kind of have to retool your team a little bit. Not that it's necessarily a rebuild, although I think it could turn into that. It's a retooling, and it's kind of weird to spend money on this guy when you should have probably allocated that money to Xander Bogarts. I don't know. Uh, it, it really pissed off the fan base. <clears throat> Excuse me. It really pissed off the fan base in Boston that he's gone. Understandably so. Uh, a face of the franchise. World. I think he was actually there for, for two of the World Series. I think he was a rookie in 2013. Let me see. Yeah, he was a rookie in 2013. I believe he did get a ring. So he's of someone who's been there for a decade. A face of the franchise. Still fairly young, 30 years old. Now, I understand not wanting to give them, him 11 years, but I think they should have made some effort to re-sign him. But going back to Yoshida, 
I, when I saw this, I was pretty sure, and based on the way Red Sox Twitter was acting, that they were just going to keep adding, and it was going to turn around, be a little bit different than what we were expecting. But Bogarts left, and obviously very sad time in Boston. As for Yoshida, I think that he is somebody who is a huge bargain if you're drafting right now. His ADP is 522.35. I don't know. I haven't done a lot of research on minimum and maximum picks, but there's a decent chance he has the highest discrepancy between them. 182 is the minimum. 746 is the maximum. Someone took him in the 50th round, and God bless them because he is going to be, I mean, I don't know if this is going to stick, but according to roster resource right now, he is scheduled to be the leadoff hitter for the Red Sox. He'll be in left field or in right field. Uh, Verdugo, Manning, the other corner, and then Kike Hernandez in center. I think it's a fine outfield. If you're looking at the team as a whole, it's definitely weaker without Bogarts. Maybe Story goes back to uh, shortstop. Christian Arroyo goes to second base, I guess. Uh, I don't know. It, it's not It's not an upgrade for this team for sure, obviously. Bringing in Yoshida is good, but I don't know if it moves the needle so much. Like He's a really excellent batter in Japan, and it's kind of hard to look at numbers from Japan and say they're going to translate well as a major league player. Some of them do, some of them don't. It's you don't really know. Now his profile is incredible. Uh, now, now the thing is, I don't think there are Fangraphs pages. I've tried to find them for these international players. I'm looking at Baseball Reference. It doesn't quite give you the exact same uh, stats and everything else. It's a little bit different. But he is walking quite a bit more than he is striking out <clears throat> for his career. Seven seasons. He's played 781 games. He's walked 427 times. He's only struck out 307 times. In 781 games. That's incredible. 326 batting average, 419 OBP. His, o- his OPS is 957. Like the dude is a stud. He hits home runs over the years of 2018, it was 26, and then 29 and 21. He had 21 again this year. He doesn't steal many bases, but he should be able to give you a couple. And maybe with the rules changing next year, we'll see him steal maybe five bases, maybe five, seven bases at most. Uh, I-, I don't have high expectations there. I think that he is unknown still at this point but at the price where he's going 522 it's really really worth it and I mean there's nothing you can really lose at that point some players you can (coughs) excuse me guys I'm still a bit sick but for a guy who is going to be leading off most likely you're batting at the top of a lineup that's not a great lineup but not a bad lineup uh, he is definitely going to be a huge discount I mean he'll go up his price will go up keep an eye on it here it's at 522 his ADP and that's for all NFBC drafts as of right now. It's December the 8th. We'll check in maybe in a week, and we'll see where he's being drafted. But I'm, I'm almost 100% guarantee you he will be inside of the top 500, maybe even the top 450. People will start to grab him. If you're drafting right now, people are still using, based on ADP, uh, data that's current, I would, I would really think about taking him in this slot somewhere. Uh, it's incredible someone got him with their last pick. That's, a, that's an incredible steal. Now, in terms of the Red Sox as a whole, This is where my worry kind of came from with Raphael Devers and the way that he's being projected by multiple different uh, systems, Zips, Steamer. I thought that their projections were kind of crazy for him. Um, I think they've been adjusted a little bit now, 100 RBIs, 91 runs. It feels like that might be a little bit lower than it once was, but I I can't see him driving in 100 runs. I, I I can't see it. There is a very small chance maybe he's able to do it somehow he stays healthy for the entire season and it's more volume based but it's not going to be per game based with this lineup around him I know that's not everything the lineup around you is not everything you can still drive in runs with a fairly poor lineup 
but I just can't see Raphael Devers coming back from what it was this year, which was in the 80s for runs and RBIs, jumping back up to over 100 on an inferior team. I know that's oversimplifying it a little bit, but we're talking about a guy who he's capable of giving you 120-ish RBIs if everything is right and the team around him is proper. But we're not looking at a really great lineup. The top of it is okay. Between Yoshida, Verdugo, Devers, and Story, we're not really sure what Story is going to be. It falls off a cliff after that. I mean, you got Hosmer, you got Tristan Cassis, who we still, again, don't know what he's going to be. Uh, Kike Hernandez, Reese McGuire, Christian Arroyo. That bottom half of the lineup is absolutely dreadful. I am really, really nervous. First of all, well, the runs probably more so than the RBIs. I think, if anything, maybe, maybe he gets close to a hundred or a hundred runs, maybe. But I'm, I think that the projections are, are 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 bad, to be honest, for Rafael Devers. I don't see him getting close to these numbers. I think that he's going to be a huge disappointment, especially considering where he's being drafted. His ADP is 20th. He's being drafted early in the second round. I can't see it. I can't see him returning this kind of value, and I think that these projections are going to make people think that he will. Maybe not everybody looks at projections. I know not everybody does look at projections, uh, but they seem they seem really off. And I think maybe we'll adjust them now, or they will adjust them now that Bogarts is gone, or maybe they have been already. I don't know how it works. It just seems crazy to think that he's going to you know, somehow get back to form with an inferior team around him. That's what it comes down to. Uh, 2019, he had 129 runs and 115 RBIs. Can he do that again? I'd like to hope so. But at the same time, that was a team that had Mookie Betts. J.D. Martinez was operating at full speed. Even Jackie Bradley Jr. had 21 home runs that year. Benintendi, they had a good team. Uh, they are nowhere near that team anymore. I'm, I'm not... I'm not there. I'm really not there with Devers. He's a fade for me. He was a fade for me before, but now that we know Bogarts has gone for sure, he's not somebody I'm taking in the second round. I will pass. I know the third base sucks. I know that you kind of have to get third base down at some point, and he is, you know, a very dependable option there, sure. But, you know, I'll wait a round or two, and I'll go get Nolan Arenado, or I'll wait even a few more rounds, and I'll get Gunnar Henderson or Alex Bregman. Like, I, I I don't want Devers. Maybe I end up with him. On one team, I, I don't want to, though. I, at this price, I'm really not a fan of him. Uh, one l- last thing I wanted to talk about, not so long, but I wanted to mention it, is the way that Red Sox fans are reacting here. <clears throat> and I understand them being upset. I mentioned it yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. That if Vlad Guerrero or Boba Shett or even like Alec Manoa left the Blue Jays, I would be devastated. I can totally understand why Xander Bogart's leaving has elicited this kind of reaction from the Boston fans. I would just like to remind them that they have won four World Series in the last 18 years. Just, <clears throat> I know Heim Bloom has been a terrible general manager. Like I forget there was some shit going around on Twitter. He turned Devers and Bogarts and J.D. Martinez and everybody else, Mamuki, into like Verdugo. And, you know, it was, the list was not good. <clears throat> the list was rather poor. And I understand that. It's going to happen. Teams are going to go through hot periods and cold periods. Teams are going to lose players to free agency. It happens. Being someone who is a Toronto fan my whole life, I've seen it happen, mostly with the Raptors. Uh, you know, throughout, our, throughout the Raptors' history, Vince Carter leaving a free agency, Tracy McGrady, I think, or actually Vince Carter was asked for a trade, wanted out. McGrady asked for a trade as well. Chris Bosh 
I mean, he, we essentially traded him, but he wanted to leave. Kawhi Leonard wanted to leave. Everybody wants to leave Toronto at some point. I totally understand the feeling that Boston fans have about, you know, we need to secure these guys. We don't secure them. It's a massive failure of the, of the management. Totally get it. But you have four World Series in the last 18 years. The Jays have never won a World Series in my lifetime. All the Toronto teams in my lifetime have won exactly one major championship. I'm not talking about the Canadian Football League or anything. The Raptors won one championship in 2019. That's it. And teams go through this shit. There are a lot of teams, and you know, you go back 20 years, they haven't won a single championship. The city of Boston as a whole, between the Celtics and the Patriots, and who am I forgetting? We got basketball. The Boston Bruins won a Stanley Cup as well. It was like 10 years ago or so, but my Leafs haven't won a cup in 55 years or something like that. Like Boston as a city, yes, understandably so, you're going to be a little sour about this. But at the same time, you're not hard done by in terms of your franchises. Like you're not. I'm sorry. This kind of thing happens. You need to rebuild and retool. But the whole, the whole woe is me thing is kind of annoying, honestly. Like it's not like the whole fan base or anything. And I understand being sad. But I don't think it should go on for too, too long. You know, they're going to have, and again, this is very fresh. If there's any Boston fans listening to this, they probably shut the thing off already. But enough is enough, you know. And, you know, honestly, maybe that's too harsh. Give them a couple days to grieve, to wear black. They're in mourning right now. But, you know, we have to get back on the horse and really realize that, you know, he's overall for his career, Bogarts, not the greatest defender, sure, this year. Very good defense for whatever reason, uh, who knows? Very good defense this year. He's a 30-year-old who you're going to be paying <clears throat> until he's in his 40s at shortstop. He's not going to be playing shortstop past the age of probably 36 or so. And then you're stuck with five years of a DH or a second baseman or maybe a first baseman, Xander Bogarts, whatever you change him to. He's not going to be a shortstop that whole length of his contract. So I wouldn't be so sad if I was a Red Sox fan in that regard. I'm sad about the guy leaving, but when you look at the deal as a whole, it's not the greatest contract. Uh, 280 by 11 years, average annual value, 25 million. It's fine. If you guys are going to be pissed at anything, I guess you can be pissed at the general manager. And I guess that's where most of the people are pissed. They're pissed off at Bloom. But this whole, I don't know, Boston never gets, I saw a couple people, maybe it's just a couple people and I'm blowing it out of proportion. But from my timeline this morning on Twitter and last night, it was like, why does this always happen to us? Why can't we do this? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, come on. You guys, you guys are such a your most successful sports city in America over the last 20 years. Off the top of my head, can't think of another one that's done better. Especially because we're not talking New York or L.A. where there's like, you know, two teams in each city. We're talking one team in each major sport. They've all won championships in the last 10 years. Multiple championships. You're talking the Patriots. <clears throat> I guess the Celtics a bit more than 10 years. But multiple with the Patriots, multiple with the with the Red Sox, the Bruins. I, I I've seen no need for them to be too too sad about this. It happens. The Raptors team that won the championship a couple of years ago, completely disassembled. Got a couple of pieces still, but for the most part, players move on. It happens. It sucks. It's a part of life. It's a part of sports. But guys, that's gonna do it. We are going to probably finish up the week. We'll look at whatever happened. I mean, hell, we are kind of just holding. We are beholden right now to what happens in the news. If there are massive signings, if there are trades or whatever, we'll talk about that. There are still a couple players we need to go over that we'll talk about probably tomorrow. Josh Bell, Andrew Heaney, uh, Mitch Hanniger, Jose Quintana. 
I wanted to talk about the Red Sox today specifically because there's just been so much news about them over the last 24 hours. And I probably pissed off a couple of their fans if they listened. Sorry about that. You guys probably won't do this if you are annoyed with me, but go ahead. Check us out over on Twitter at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB. All of our new stuff is there. Michael Fisher, our newest writer, his newest piece or his debut piece, I should say, hit the site yesterday. He's looking at rule changes for 2023, how that's going to impact us for fantasy. And he's working on a follow-up piece that's going to talk about players that will be affected mostly by those changes. So go ahead, check his piece out, ethosfantasybb at sportsethos.com. If you guys could leave a review and rating on the show, I'd really appreciate that before you guys head out. Uh, That would be really great helping us grow. But until tomorrow, I hope you guys enjoy your evening, enjoy your sporting events, and have fun if you're doing early drafts. But until tomorrow, guys, take care and cheers. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.